God's good. I'm excited about this morning. I have been preaching a lot of stuff. God's doing a lot of stuff. You, you heard from the intro. Uh, my whole life right now is leadership development. And uh, I work with, you know, 30 or 40 leaders pretty consistently uh, in 20, 25 different nations. And uh, then those guys lead, lead about another 1,000 people. So uh, I, I've got a about 1,500 people on my radar uh, that I work with pretty consistently. And I realized, you know, you're called, but it takes a while to figure out what that call is. And I realized uh, maybe my first year in that I was called to people that have a call. You know, you've got somebody that wants to go somewhere and do something, uh, I'll just pour gas on the fire and help you, and help you know how to get there. So I sat, I sat down yesterday, you know, sometimes when I know I'm coming to a place the Lord will give me a word months in advance, and I know what it is. And sometimes it won't be until that last day. And, I mean, I just preach someplace all the time, so I've just got endless amounts of notes, you know, and I could pull out anything. And I sat down yesterday, I preached. I was preaching in the spring, uh, late winter, early spring. I was preaching stuff, and uh, I thought, man, I'll just kind of pull that together. Absolutely not. I sat down yesterday, and the Lord just took me in a, and that's what I like, that we don't just do the same thing uh, twice and that God likes it to be new and fresh. And so let's just pray. We've been praying, Lord, we're just going to keep on praying. I saw a sign coming out of Seymour. I live in Seymour now uh, when I'm not traveling. And uh, I saw a sign that says, is, is uh, prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I thought that was pretty good. You know, are we driving the boat or are we, you know, in the Philippines we called it emergency tongues. When you... When you weren't prayed up and you got stuck, then you had to go to emergency tongue. Shandalabaka. You had, to, you had to jump into your emergency mode. So we're just going to keep praying. Father, we just thank you this morning that as we gather together, just as the brothers have been saying, you are in the midst. Actually, you said before Abraham was, I am. You were standing here waiting for us to get here a thousand years ago so that you could do in us what you desire to do. So, Father, we pray this morning your kingdom would come, your will would be done, that your word would accomplish what you sent it to do, that your life in us would be expanded to a whole new dimension this morning in Jesus' name. Well, welcome to June of 2021, and um, we are not where I thought we would be, but I'm going to speak to some of that this morning. Some of the prophets late in 2019 uh, called this 2021, W-O-N, that believers would begin to get some victories and some breakthroughs and step in at different levels uh, this year. And so I want to encourage you from where I said, I mean, I travel the world, I work with these guys, and we've got to pay attention to what God's doing. You know, living here in Indiana, you can kind of, I can watch the corn growing in the field behind me, you know, and that kind of mesmerizes up, and we kind of we move at the speed of southern Indiana. I, I talk. I have to turn my speed up just a little bit uh, because the, whatever water we drank on that farm in Crothersville just slowed us all down, and that's how we kind of move sometimes. But I work for a group, you know, we're, I mean, we're just someplace every single day, and I want to tell you some of the things God did for us last year. But I tell you from where I sit, God is up to something. And often we're already standing in what we, in what we do not see uh, because God has gone before us and God is positioning and repositioning. If you have been uncomfortable in this last year, if you have felt like you didn't go 
know what was going on. Just welcome to the kingdom in 2021 because God is just messing with your foundations because some of us didn't have good foundations. He's messing with our root systems because your roots determine your fruit. And if your root system's tapped in in some wrong ways, then your fruit is never going to be what God wants it to be. And he says, one, this is the one promise nobody wants. I promise you this, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I have come to enjoy this year because around me it was shaken and I wasn't shaken. But it takes time to get to that place. And I begin to see a little bit what the end could look like where the world can shake and we don't shake. But that takes, that takes some doing. And some of what's going on in this past year is that God was testing us out to see where we're really rooted, where we're really founded, to see what He can do with us in the season to come. I believe our greatest days are just ahead of us. And a lot of people are saying that, that we're on the verge of the third great reformation. Very qualified and capable and godly men and women are saying that. And so I encourage you in that. Uh, you can't see with your eyes right now. You've got to see with your spirit, man. And that means you've got to unplug. I mean, I have just unplugged from pretty much everything. Don't watch a minute of news anymore because nobody is hearing from God. And so what's the point? What's the point? None of those guys are believers. And so you've got no godly wisdom there. So get out of there. And I've just unplugged. I just don't listen to any of it. Because until you've heard from heaven, you've got nothing to say. And so, and your opinion. Your opinion and a million bucks is worth about a dime right now. And so, uh, so in October of 20, oh, there's my little clock. Okay. I don't even know. No, 72.3 degrees and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't even know. What is that thing? So, in October of 2019, I heard the Lord say that you are going to have to worship and war into your next season. So, it's fall, late, almost winter. And so, I'm thinking he's saying we got to war through the end of 2019 into the beginning of 2020. And so, I began to communicate this with our missionaries and we began to pray. We've been in global prayer now for a year and a half. We didn't quite know what our season would be. You know, we thought our season was going to be three or four months into the next year when God was going to begin to do something. We didn't know we would still be doing this 20 months later. But the Lord was really setting us up. And when what I have learned in this season, you're just going to have to trust me on this, is that for the rest of our days, we are not going to be able to separate our worship from our warfare. If you're a worshiper, good. If you've avoided warfare at all costs, God bless you, but you're going to pay a price in this next season. Because you've got to learn, Judah always goes first. Judah means praise, Judah plows. If you're not plowing, you're going to be praying, paying a price. And you're going to have to learn how to worship in the secret place, he that dwells in the secret place. And then, last year was 2020, that is Jehoshaphat. That sent the singers and dancers, that's Chronicles 2020. He set the singers and the dancers out first because he had a prophetic word. And it says, if you listen to the word of the prophets, you will have success. That is 2020 in your Bible. That was last year that we just finished. 2020, we have to have the word of the Lord. And that is worship. He sent the singers. I've spent months with Tracy and one of our friends, Jeff Pacheco, who's now in the Philippines, 
getting verses for a song we sang back at New Testament Church back in the 70s when we were together 152 years ago. It was <laughs> call out the dancers and let them dance. The battle's not mine. The battle's not mine. Call out the singers and let them sing. The battle's not mine. It belongs to the king. That's Jehoshaphat. That's 2 Chronicles 20. And so that's just kind of where we were last year. And so we've come to a place in God's timeline. I'm just telling you, we've come to a place in God's timeline that the enemy is going to rage. The enemy rages because his days are numbered. God's days are not numbered. He is running out of time. There is, a, there is an Elijah generation, a prophetic generation that has risen because there is a Jezebel that has risen. They would like to take this whole thing and it's not their time. It's not the devil's time. It's not one world government time. It's not time for the things that you're seeing happen to happen. That's not God's timetable. That's man's timetable, and it will shift at some point. And I don't know how, and I don't know when. That's above our pay grade. The Old Testament says, I think it's Malachi, no, it's Habakkuk, says, I'm going to do a thing you wouldn't believe if I would tell you. And so he's not telling us because we wouldn't believe it, and then we'd put our mouth on it and we curse it. That can't be. God would never do that. So he's not telling us what he's going to do. But you just got to know in here that God is not going to let stand what's standing right now. But we're going to have to learn. Man, we just got deep real fast here this morning. So um, this is just where I live right now because we're all over the world. And we're way past playing games and doing that kind of stuff. And I'll kind of touch on a couple of those things this morning. But we are going to have to learn how to, how to war and be at rest. In the midst of that, it's not about fighting every day. You can be at peace in the midst of that. I'm telling you, the greatest demonstration of peace in the New Testament was not Jesus calming the storm. It was Jesus being asleep in the boat in the midst of the storm. You're going to have to learn how to rest in God in the midst of this. And the other thing that God is going to do, he's going to move us from sword to scepter. Because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We represent the king. And there are things that we've learned to sword and fight and spiritual warfare and bind and loose and stand against. But the Lord is going to begin to teach us how to extend the scepter of authority. Because Jesus said, in my name you will. And so there is a season coming where we learn when do we war and when do we... And I do this in prayer sometimes. And some of you have read my book. Quite a few of you have got my book authorized. That's just a place I live, what authority we can walk in. And if you've read that book, there is a place where you just extend the government of God. That's what your kingdom come means. It means the government of God begins to rule over those things in your domain that need to be under his government. And so this, he's going to teach us how to extend scepter sometimes and just say, you reign over this, Lord. And this has to stop and things begin to shift. So, Psalm 102, or Psalm 110, verse 2. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So that's a prophetic word for the hour that we're in. Psalm 23, verse 5, we all know. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. We all know that verse, don't we? And so we have been taught that is a banqueting table. That is not a banqueting table. That is not a table of food. Because the word prepare in that verse, you prepare a table. The word prepare from the Strong's Concordance, just straight out concordance, straight out Hebrew, 
means to set in a row, to arrange, to put in order in a wide variety of applications, to set the battle in array, to be an expert at war, to furnish, to handle, to join the battle, to ordain, to lay, put, to reckon up, to set in order and prepare. What you have before you is a table of weapons. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemy. Do we need the sword today? Do we need the dagger? Do we need the spear? Do we need the RPG? Do we need... That's what's prepared for you. Yeah, you get rest in the storm, but what you get is equipped for the war. You prepare a table for me. What do you need today, Craig? What do you need today, Tracy? What do you need for today? So, I'm working on a new book based on the pattern that we see with Israel. I've seen this for two decades now. And sometimes I'll sit down and write 40, 50 pages and then I'll leave it sit for a while and then the Lord will show me something else. But you see this with Israel. All the Old Testament is an example that will be fulfilled spiritually in the New Testament. And so Israel spent 400 years in slavery. How many of us came out of slavery? Every one of us. If you've come to Christ, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness and set, Colossians 1.13, into the kingdom of the Son. So we all came out of slavery. So Israel comes out of 400 years of slavery. And then they spent, so they, they come out of Egypt. They get called out of Egypt. And then they spend the next 40 years getting Egypt out of them. If you're in this room a believer, you got it out of Egypt. But I'm telling you, lots of us never get Egypt out of us. Mindsets don't change. Habits don't really change. We come to church on Sunday, and not much is different. Not too many people knocking down our doors saying, I want what you have. Because they're not really sure we're any different than they are. We got saved. We got the life raft. But it's basically that spare tire in the trunk instead of the wheel. That's driving this thing. So that's what happened with Israel. God could get Israel out of Egypt in a day, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel, to get Egypt out of them. Change mindsets, change hearts, change belief systems, change trust, change identities. And a lot of us, that's as far as we get, and we're going to spend the rest of our life walk, wandering in the wilderness until we really make that commitment that's coming in just a little while here. And that is the Jordan River. Jesus' first message in, in Matthew 4, after he'd been baptized and then uh, confronted the devil in the wilderness, that was an identity. If you are the Son of God, if you are a Son of God, if you are a daughter of God, all challenges are identity challenges. So D Jesus goes through this identity thing because you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are and whose you are. As the brothers prayed, if you don't know whose you are, then you don't know who you are. If you don't know whose you are, you don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then you don't really know whose you are. That all goes together, and it's all identity stuff. So, Jesus' first message, then, to preach, and it says, and he spoke these words, repent for the kingdom is here. He wasn't talking about sin. He was talking about their mindset. Because they all thought a deliverer would come and set up a kingdom and a kingdom on earth would kick the Romans out. Are any of you watching The Chosen? Oh my goodness. I just did season two, number three uh, and four. And it's all about what it's like to live under Roman rule. And they are fully expecting Jesus 
to set up a military government that's going to dis... And so are we! We think whoever's in the White House is going to change it. No! Whoever's in the throne room is going to change it. And we've got to repent just like they, they did because we're trusting the wrong root system. And that's what God's dealing with. You're trusting who sits in the White House? You're trusting who's making laws? No, not going to work. And that's what Jesus said. You've got to repent. You'll never see the kingdom if you're looking for the physical manifestation because until the spiritual manifestation of kingdom is alive and well on the inside of you, nothing on the outside is going to change. Until you are absolutely contrary, until your life absolutely confounds your neighbors. I could give you pages of what we see God doing with our people. We're in nations we're not even supposed to be in right now. We had people in, in the midst of pandemic. We're, you think we had locked down here? Nothing. I had guys who couldn't leave their house for six weeks at a time. Their kids couldn't go out of the yard. We have people, one member of your family can go shop for groceries every two weeks and you have to have a pass to do it. I mean, we are locked down in the nations. And they began to call our guys and invite them because they knew they could trust us. And we got passes government officials did not have. We could go places no man could go because of what we carry and favor. We started new Bible schools last year in places we weren't in the year before. We couldn't get there. They were locked down under communist rebels in the Philippines. We got new homes for elderly people that were handed to us. We saw miracles. Some of our missionaries had their greatest financial year they had had in 20 years. Last year in the middle of pandemic because you could live in Egypt and not be under Egypt. But you've got to understand kingdom to do that. So Jesus' first message was you've got to change your mind. There's a barbarian mindset. That's the whole Old Testament that lives in fear. If fear comes up about you, no, I can't do that, I won't do that, I don't want to do that, that's a barbarian mindset. You need to repent of that and get it broken off your life. If you think you can reason it out or get an education or read a book, that's the Greek mindset. It's what they were dealing with in the New Testament here. That knowledge is wisdom and by reason, absolutely not. It is not by the might of the barbarian. It is not by the power of reasoning, human reasoning and mindset. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. All things that are going to happen from here on out are going to have to be those that are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. So this is what he's trying to do to get Egypt out of them. And then they come to the Jordan River. They come to the Jordan River. And a lot of them didn't even cross over that's as far as most of us, many of us, lots of us have gotten. Because there's a cost from go to here to there. We like showing up on Sundays. We like being attached. But it costs to get in. I had to leave my job, lay it all down. I've laid ministry down more than once or twice. You want God, what God has for you, you bring nothing to the table other than obedience and a willingness. And a lot of us were just not there. We come on Sundays... We like the blessing, the benefit, but Jordan River, you lay it all down. 
and you cross, sometimes alone, sometimes in group. But they came to the Jordan River, life or death, all or nothing. It cost to lay that down and pick up this. We like the benefits, we avoid the cost of Christianity. We avoid the cross sometimes at all cost. We love the benefits, but we hate, we hate the cost. Scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. Why? The chosen said yes. I said to the Lord every day when I was in the Philippines, first time I hit Vietnam, when I was in Nepal and Bhutan, there'd never been a Bible school in Bhutan until we ran one. I said, God, why am I here? He said, because you said yes. That's the bottom line. We would go places nobody else would go. And he knew we would. My wife got on a plane when I couldn't and would go places nobody else would go. Our missionary died while she was there in Nepal. And she was there when God raised him up. He was already floating, looking down on his body, and God brought him back. And Sander was there in the hospital when God raised him from the dead. But you don't get those things sitting in here on Sunday morning. That stuff happens out there. You're the church. You're the church. You're the church. So, whatever belongs to me does not belong to him. So, now you get over Jordan. You know, we get to the mission field. We think we're doing good. We got over Jordan. You know what you get as soon as you cross Jordan? Jericho. <laughs> we think, woo! We're in the promised land now. We have crossed over. We're in. The devil will shake you out. You take a step of faith, throw some extra money in the offering, decide to start tithing, you know, believe in God for a healing. The first thing you'll get is the biggest battle you ever fought. We grew up on a farm. We had electric fences. A cow hits that fence one time, he'll never touch it again. That's exactly what happened. Bam! You get a Jericho, you'll never touch it again. First kid I prayed for died. First year of Bible school, came home that summer. One of our youth was in the hospital, Riley, with leukemia, laid hands on him, he died. For a lot of us, that's where ministry ends. Did that, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, not going there again. First year in Bible school, we had a Bible school student, pastor, lady pastor, pastora, come to us, leukemia. Laid hands on her, didn't see her for six months. Came back the next year, alive and well, still going, running a church 30 years later. See, the devil will shake you out. That's what Jericho's do. That's what Jericho's do. Giant walled city. And if we're going to truly possess what the kingdom of God has for us, our destiny, our future, we're going to, have, we're going to get some Jerichos. They'll be the biggest thing you face. You will fight the same battle all your life. It's, it's the battle God made you to overcome. If it's fear, whatever it takes, you're going to have to beat it. If it's an identity thing, I spent 20 years pursuing sonship because there's a way difference between being a child of God and being a son of God. And I, that's an identity thing. I spent 20 years pursuing that. Whatever it takes, if it's some addiction, if it's a trust issue, those things have to be dealt with. Those are our personal Jerichos, and they have to be dealt with if we're going to get out of there. Whatever keeps you from taking steps of faith, you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to get fear on an altar and put that thing to death. until Fear will kill your faith every single time. Gideon called an army of 33,000 men. If he said, if you're afraid, go home, 20,000 went home. Two out of three never saw a battle, and that's where we are in the church because we just don't want to go there. 
You're never going to get a victory because you're never going to see the light of day in a battle. You're going to get ambushed and the devil's going to kick your butt time and time again. Most of us haven't even acknowledged that we are at war. So, man, you're just getting it all. So, then after you get past Jordan and Jericho, what do you get? Hebron with giants. That's the book. Crossing rivers, taking cities, slaying giants. That is where we live. God set us up. We are the giant slaying generation. But we're going to have to get out of the boat and draw a sword and get in the middle of this thing. Okay? So, this is us. If this is what Israel did, this is what we're going to do. But it's spiritual stuff. Spiritual giants. Behemoths. Systems of this world. Ungodly things that God wants to deal with. So here's the challenge, and this is why I laid it out. The first chapter of the book is, no one told me that. That's kind of what we're dealing with this morning. This is not your typical Sunday morning message in about 99% of all churches. And so, you're just going to have to live in a different world if we're going to see these kinds of things happen. The second chapter is, so what's the plan? You know, how are we going to ever succeed? The plan's not me. The plan is he. This isn't my book, it's his book. And if we don't know where he's going, we are never going to get there. And so what is the plan? And then the third chapter of the book is when reality becomes real. When will we look around and say, all hell has broken loose, this is war, and it's time for me to strap one on and learn how to use it. God bless me prayers aren't going to do it unless you understand your covenant and that you're blessed to be a blessing. But you're still calling on heaven to help you out. Grow up! Grow up! Jesus. Man, I just blew my earpiece right off. We... I've got family only over in Pennsylvania. They're about half an hour from Gettysburg, and so we visit that from time to time. Driving through there a couple years ago, this monument to one of these regiments, and it says, and it says, we trust in God, but we keep our powder dry. Now that we got to get. We trust in God, but we are locked and loaded. In the Old Testament, God said to Joshua chapter 1, I will give you where you do rock, the current day definition of Dirac is locked and loaded. I will give you where you have bullets in your chamber and your safety is off and you have permission to fire at will. That's what I will give you. That's Joshua, 20, Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3. That is not a promise for Egypt and the wilderness. That is a promise once you have crossed Jordan and taken out Jericho, that's when that promise kicks in. So until you get there, you don't get every place that I, man. Sorry, guys, I've been doing this for 30 years. And uh, there's about 30 years. How, how are we doing on time? I see no clock anywhere. Yeah, there's always one that's going to keep it going. And all the rest of you just going to have, so it's on her, okay? <laughs> so. We trust in God, but we're locked and loaded, armed and dangerous, ready at any time. See, that's how it works. I'm completely at peace. I got no issue with the devil. 
I'm not, you know, I'm just advancing kingdom. Now, when the devil shows up and he's not going to let me advance, then we're going to have an issue. That's how it works. I'm not getting up every morning talking to the devil. I'm getting up every morning talking to dad. And then if the devil tries to get in there, then we're going to do something about that. And so that's, that's how it works. The devil comes to kill and steal and destroy. It is his mission. And you might as well acknowledge that because either by deceit or ignorance, we have let him continue to kill. How many of you got all the money you want? None of us. How many of you walking in all the health you want? None of us. How many of you seeing people die you don't think should have died? Why? Because the devil comes to kill and steal and destroy until you know you're authorized to stop that and have gained enough spiritual experience to know how to do that. He's going to keep doing what he does because that is what he does. And you look at the world and you see the fruit of that. And when are we going to change that and say no more? I'm not putting up with that anymore. So, why do good things happen? To, why do bad things happen to good people? We let them. Because we didn't know how to shut it down or even that we were supposed to. Why does the world look like it looks? Because we have not taken Jesus at his world, at his word. He said this gospel of the kingdom, of the kingdom, not this gospel of salvation. Not get a rope, not get out of trouble, not bail you out, not help you out. This gospel of the kingdom, there's a king, there's a kingdom, there's a culture that changes everything. It's your finance, it's your family, it's your marriage, it's your kids, it's your moments, it's your resources, it's your time. That's kingdom. That's kingdom. The gospel of everything shall be preached to everyone. Jesus coming back this year? Absolutely not. Next year, no. The year after that, uh-uh. Half the world hasn't heard the gospel for the first time and he's not bailing us out and letting five billion, four billion, two and a half billion people go to hell. Doesn't work that way. He's not coming to rescue us because we're having a bad day when half the world's not eating on a regular basis. We've got to see some kingdom. Not church kingdom. And I'll tell you how that works as we go here. Matthew eleven twelve, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers violence. The violent move it by force. We move kingdom by valiance, by violence, by perseverance, forcefully, it says in the NIV. So, as a believer, you operate on three dimensions, and we'll go through these quickly. When you become a believer, you become a member of the household of God, the family of God. That's called the oikos, uh, Ephesians 2.19. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens and saints and of the household of God. So when we become believers, we're in. This is family. That's why we love this on Sunday mornings. This is the oikos, the fellowship, the, the family, the camaraderie. This is where your fruit of the Spirit works. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, long-suffering. This, this, the household of God, we're members of God's household. That's our core at GoTo Nations. We call it your core values. It's your heart. You don't accomplish vision by violating values. What's value? We value family. We value marriage. We value God. We value these things. That's your, that's your oikos. That's your family, your core value system. And all are welcome. We'll take anybody in here. 
You know, on Sunday mornings, all are welcome. We love at all times. That's oikos. But you can love all you want, and it's not going to change Washington. You can love all you want, and it's not going to change the Middle East and the spirit of Islam. You can love all you want, and it's not enough. It's enough for us. It's enough for new people to come and say, yeah, man, I want that. It's the entryway. But it's not how God is going to change the world. It's how God's going to establish foundation. It's a heart that never changes whether you're in ministry or whether you're working a job every day. You are oikos, family of God. We love at all times. We carry the peace of God. But that's not going to stop the devil from killing and stealing and destroying. And so when Jesus comes, he says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Church is not a Bible word. Church is a government word. It's the Greek word ekklesia. So you are oikos at the heart, but right here, right there is your ecclesia. You become the arm or army of God. Ecclesia means legislative assembly. You don't like what you see around here? Change it. You do that in prayer. Matthew 16, 19 says, he said, I'll build my church, my ecclesia. We do this through prayer and intercession and spiritual warfare. Verse 19 says, and I will give you keys of the kingdom. What are keys? Designated authority. As ecclesia, you now have governmental designated authority to lock and unlock things. And he says, and what you bind will be bound already in heaven. What you loose will be already loosed in heaven. So we become the army. We become legislative. We become intercessors. We become governmental. This is the fivefold. Your apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. This is the government of God in the earth. So, you've got the oikos heart. You've got the ecclesia arm that is advancing kingdom out there. But none, neither of those is the reason that we are here. The reason we're here, what Jesus came preaching, he used the word church two times. What he preached was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And we have hardly talked about kingdom for 30 years now. We hardly know what the kingdom of God is or looks like. The word kingdom is the Greek word basilia. And it means the foundation for royalty to reign. The reign of the king. Revelation says, and you become a kingdom of kings and priests. That's where you move from the sword of ecclesia to the scepter of kingdom. We're seated with him. We reign as he reigns. As he is in this earth, so are we. So you have to begin to think like a king. And you're not married to a servant. You are married to a queen. That right there will change some of your lives. And you are co-rulers, raising some princes and princesses. Adam was given dominion. That means there is a something that you have dominion over. You have a domain. I've had guys work in school systems in all kinds of places. And it was terrible. Their staff was terrible. They had challenges all the time. I said, have you taken authority? Have you come in and prayed governmental favor? Have you prayed your kingdom come? And they began to do that and everything changed. I've had people just quit. I haven't fired anybody in 30 years. 
You start praying your kingdom come, God will move you and he'll move them. So it's kingdom. It's kingdom stuff. We can come to church, get in, get out, do or do not, obey. Half people haven't come back yet. Fear. There's some wisdom. But you got to let faith beat your fear at some point. Then we can go home today, watch anything we want to on TV. Because we can get out of the church box and into this thing because church is what we do and not who we are. That is not kingdom. See, we can oikos or not. We can ecclesia or not. You cannot basilia or not. You get in or you get out with kingdom. That's where we're going, guys. And Everybody's going to be saved. It's all going to be good. If you got a rope, if you came in yesterday... If you're still doing the same stuff you were doing last year, but you're under the blood, you're going to be in heaven just fine. You want to tear some stuff up? You want to change some things? You want to see some stuff get different? You're going to have to get in kingdom because that's where God's going. We're about to enter. We're already in it, actually. Kingdom age. We're coming into a season of kingdom here where God governs at a different level. Full transparency. Covenant is a huge deal. Every minute is watched. Money's watched. God's done more in me in this last year. There's some days I get up in the morning, sit down. Sometimes I get a cup of coffee, sometimes I don't. It's two in the afternoon, I'm still in the same chair. God dealing with me on stuff. Because he's got to get us to a different place. Covenant's a big deal. If there's a show you watch regularly on TV, you have a covenant. If you will not miss that show, you might want to check out what you're covenanting with. I'm eliminating stuff off my list every single day. I'm almost down to car shows, and some of them might go pretty soon. You go to Starbucks every day, you have a covenant with Starbucks. You have a covenant that with an organization that is absolutely, biblically, spiritually, kingdom opposed to everything you believe. I go there sometimes. I bless them. How else are they going to know if some of us don't pass through? But I'm not giving them $5 a day, five days a week. That's $25, $100 a month if I'm not sowing that into the nations. I'm not giving Starbucks more than I give some missionary working in the nations because I've got a covenant with them and I don't have a covenant with anybody doing anything out in the world. Covenant, you're going to have to understand it. If you're going to understand kingdom, it takes us to a whole different place. Why am I saying this? Because this is where we are. As a church, we have crossed Jordan. We've taken out Jericho. It's time for some kingdom stuff. I mean, it's just going to be fun. All hell's going to break loose. And Psalm 2 says, and the one enthroned in heaven laughs. That's it, devil. 6,000 years. This is it. This is your best shot. This is what you got. Let me show you what not by might, not by power, but by my spirit looks like. Let me show you what I can do with about a teaspoon of the Holy Spirit. That's what's coming, guys. That's what's coming. I'm ready to finish here. Revelation 2.26, Jesus said this, it's written in red in your Bible. He that overcomes and keeps my works to the end to him, I will give power over the nations. Power over the nations. Every nation I prayed for and asked God, we're now working in. I didn't just ask. If you want to ask, say, God, what do you want me to ask for? And then when he tells you, then you come into agreement with him. That's all, all covenant, all kingdom works. You come into agreement with his predetermined plan, so you've got to know what that is. He'll bless our stuff. That's church. That's oikos. But if you want to see something, then you've got to bless his stuff. You've got to bless his stuff. That's what sonship is. 
I only do those things I see my father doing. You want to know why Jesus did well? He only did those things he saw his father doing. So, you want nations? I mean, even here, you got ethnicities. You know, nations are all kinds of things. Young people are a nation. You know, LGBT, that's a nation. You know, these are cultural, ethnic groups. You've got, yeah, other languages and cultures, but you've got subcultures within subcultures within subcultures that God will give you right here as we begin to catch this stuff. And you shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter, they shall be broken. God will shatter those things that keep them bound. That's what's coming. So, even as I received of my Father. So, as I said, this is what God is setting us up for. We ministered to 300,000 people around the world last year. Half of them at risk. Physical abuse, extreme poverty, uneducated, living on a trash heap. One out of two people that we ministered to last year were at risk. 28,000 of them received Jesus for the very first time. We have 200, we have 200 missionaries, but another 2,000 people work with us. We reproduce ourselves 12 times over for every missionary. We have more than one active partnership for every single. We have more than 200 partnerships and 188 missionaries. We do it together. And so, guys, I encourage you this morning. Our greatest days are coming, but we can't do it the way we've done it. Jesus, or David killed a lion and a bear with a slingshot. When he became king, he had to learn how to fashion weapons. The disciples grew up on a lake and got in a storm they couldn't cross until Jesus got in the boat. What brought you here, good. What brought you here probably won't take you there. And that's kind of where we've come to Jordan. Are you still on the other side? Come on over, guys. The water's fine. It'll cost you. You'll have to leave it all on that side, but God will make it up on this side. You've come to Jericho, whatever it takes. I fasted my first year on the mission field. My mom thought I was going to die when I came home. I mean, I was relatively skinny. I was more than relatively skinny, but the devil was not going to take me out. If you don't have an overcoming spirit, you'll just get kicked around all day long, and you've got to get some fire. You've got to get some grit. You've got to get some, I'm not taking it. The devil's messing with your kids, your marriage, your finances, your business. You just got to not take it anymore. To him who overcomes, and that word's not in your Bible very many times, overcome, about seven places in the New Testament, you can find them, and there's a reward for every one of those seven. But that is what it's going to take. But then you can't get past Jericho, and the Lord has raised us up to take out some giants. We can't see it yet, but it is coming. So stand on your feet and let me bless you.